Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. People can't question them because that's that's the way they feel. But what I can say, if if I was playing now, my platform would be going mad. That was just me. That was just that's me as a person. First and foremost, I'm, I'm a proud man. You know, I am a proud black man, hundred percent. That's how them people have disrespected me throughout my footballing career. He's commentated or, or whatever, whoever want to say they chose the best top 10 goal scorers in the Premier League or whatever. Mm. So whatever angle they want to try and talk about me, as if like I wasn't amongst those elite, yeah, my numbers stack up. After that, yeah, my achievements in the game stack up. Facts. I watched the one when you said me, Ree, Ree, you said come out and say, yeah, me and the best Premiership partners. First of all, it's the best partnership ever in Premier League history. <laughs> Trust me. Let me tell you now on your podcast, the day today, today, the best Premiership partnership, Andy Cole and Dwight Hill. My issue with Graham was back then, Graham was a bully. Graham was a bully and Graham thought he could bully man. Yeah, and I was basically saying to Graham, he don't work like that. So when he talks about Paul Pogba, I get frustrated. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. See the only competition I'm in? Yourself. Here you go. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> it was a mad thing still. Ultimately, I'll come on the podcast here to be real, yeah? Hello, listeners, and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Butch, joined by my faithful to Dej. Boys, how's it going? I'm good, Butch, man. How are you, brother? Doing well, man. Doing well. Excited for this episode, man. How about you, Dej? I'm blessed, bro. It's not every day you're joined by footballing legends and footballing royalty. And I mean, this is a man that got us all hooked on the game. You know, when I told my mum, we're interviewing Andy Koja, ah, 
Alliance, so okay, give me that. It was that reaction. Now, speaking to one of my bros, HP, this morning, and I said, Guess who we're interviewing? And I was like, Andy Cole, he's like, Nah, tell him I love him. He's the reason why I fell in love with Before, it's a privilege to welcome you onto this platform, Andy. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. 100%. And, and of course, we know, um, you know, in, 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 in certain instances and situations, Andy hasn't been given his flowers, but we're absolutely going to be, we're absolutely going to be giving those flowers on this, on this platform. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity for us to speak about, you know, what he's doing at the moment, his career, um, and also a very, very important um, uh, topic uh, at the moment. The, the last two recorded were pre-recorded and so we didn't have an opportunity to um uh, speak and share our views on the um the the george floyd incident and how it's taken the world by storm um so we're gonna have an honest episode and and and, and, and all uh, share our thoughts on that but before we get into that we have indeed uh, a very special guest who uh, was back in his pomp terrorizing defense with sumptuous style and swagger his career spanned over uh, two decades with 17 seasons in the premier league uh, eight seasons at uh, manchester united where he won five premier league titles two fa cups and a glorious champions title also uh, along his arsenal newcastle united blackburn rovers man city portsmouth and sunderland in the top uh, in a top flight He's a top hitman and a mark, the third highest goal scorer in Premier League history with 187 goals. He was capped 15 times for, Eng for the England national team and is one of the few players in England to have swept all possible honours in the English game. He represents the mic, he represents the mic and rocks the party. The microphone stepper, no one can do it better. He got his kicks <laughs> in the net and not, in a, and not doing drugs, you bet. Without Further ado, ladies and gents, we welcome the outstanding wink wink marksman, top striker, Andy Colt. <laughs> welcome to the platform. Welcome, welcome, welcome Andy. Andy. Welcome, 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 bro. Welcome. Uh, no problem, man. No problem. You know what? Yeah. I got, I got, I got. Austin, outstanding came out in 1999, right? Mm. And and Ian Wright's "Do the Right Thing" came out in 1993. So mm. ask, did you get inspiration from him? Did you see his song and you were like, you know what, I'm gonna try <laughs> Nah, to be fair, it wasn't even like that. Um I mean like you said in, in '99, I was just on the crest of a wave, man. Uh mm. after winning the treble. I mean uh, I mean it's an opportunity where a lot of things it's opportunity that, you know, I, I decided like, yeah, why not? A little bit of fun. Yeah. Look, look, something of a change as well. So that, that's why I, I decided to do that. You know, and help, had a little bit of help as well. I, I knew someone who was, who was in the business as well, so that made it a little bit easier. Okay. Yeah, so Andy, um, as you know, like we're going through this global pandemic, but that's mm -hmm. not the only pandemic in my opinion. There's another one and that's racism. We've seen recently the Black Lives Matter movement obviously sort of coming or springing from the fact that George Floyd was murdered, similar age to you, and, you know, an unarmed black man in America getting killed. It's stripped the nation, you know. As a civilian, as a black man, how did you feel seeing those scenes and how do you feel about the fallout that's come through from what happened? 
I'm, 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 I'm no different than anybody else. Um, when I first saw it, it's, it's a difficult one because I, I didn't ask me. I wasn't sure if it was real. I mean, you, you don't expect to see those things on TV, man. Uh, and naturally, bitterly, bitterly disappointed. Um, yeah, maybe if it's it's in the US, it, for me personally, it, make, it makes no difference. You know, um, I mean, we suffer enough here in the UK, and I've been asked this question quite a bit recently as well over the past couple of weeks. And for me, it, when I see things like that, all all it does is makes me think about obviously my dad when he first came to this country, when he first came to England. And my, my dad, he, he wasn't an individual who even talks about what he went through. You know, although someone feels pain, you know, when you know someone's had this pain, you know, and the brief times I've spoken to him on, on this situation, you know, you get a one word answer, you don't get an answer at all. So you know someone's been hurting for many, many years. And then, like I said, to see this, you turn around and say, so, boy, we, we generally thought that he was getting better. But then we realised, no, it's, it's actually not. And then to see, to see what, yeah, he kind of like brought tears to my eyes, calm and nice still. So, obviously, I heard you speak, you know, eridately on the Ornstein and Chappers podcast about, you know, the pandemic that Dej mentioned earlier. So, do, do you see this as a watershed moment where we're finally going to start seeing some action and change in the industry? I hope so. But we've been hoping for a long time. But I think this one's kind of like, it's real. It's real. You know, people have decided, yeah, we, we need change. It's, it's as simple as that now. We we're not prepared to accept what we've been going through for so long. And I, I genuinely do hope that, yeah, the time is right now. Change. Yeah, change has to come. And, yeah, ultimately, of, of course, I would like to see in my lifetime, you know, um, I want to see us move forward. Um, I want to see us all on a even playing field, like everybody else. Well, generally, we, we we will have to wait and see, and see what the next six month, a year brings, before we can actually turn around and say, yeah, we're moving forward, or we're not moving forward. We're staying exactly where we are. And your in your point of view, Andy. Um, from the perspective of an ex-player, do you think that there is more that um, current players can do to to help, um, you know, instigate um, change uh, in terms of using their platforms to speak out about this kind of stuff? Do, do, are we not seeing enough players come out um, and, and support a movement like uh, the Black Lives Matter movement? Yeah, 100%. I, I think players now have, have such a big plan to have the opportunity to do just this, you know, get 100% behind it. You know, people can't question them because that's, that's the way they feel. But what I can say, if, if I was playing now, man, my, my platform would be going mad. 
you know, because that, that, that was just me. That was just, that's me as a person. First and foremost, I'm, I'm a proud man, you know? And then, uh, uh, man, I'm a, honey, I'm a proud black man, 100%. Big up yourself, bro. Obviously, my time playing, I was never scared to voice my opinion on nothing. You know, so something like this, if I, if I was playing now, like I said, I, I, would be going, I would be going crazy with it. You know, because we have a great opportunity now. I think Ryan Studio is doing a great job. We have the opportunity now to talk up, you know, and get it off our chest. Andy, so, you know, moving on to other parts of society, you know, I saw Dwight York come out and he spoke very eloquently about the fact that he's been trying to get a job in football you know, that was your famous strike partner. And he was sort of as a playboy has preceded him. And what I would like to say is that there's, you know, international managers that you've obviously played with that have had an image. Things have gone on in their personal life, but that still hasn't hindered them from, you know, getting jobs. As a black man, do you feel there's a glass ceiling to what you can achieve? I mean, we, we all know there's a glass ceiling. You know, we, I'm, I'm not going to try and dress it up. You know, we know there's a glass ceiling. I mean, he, he's, he's my brother. And I was, you know, we used to have this discussion when we were playing in there. And he just said, Coley, uh, I'd like to manage when I retire. I started laughing. And I mean, proper laughing. Not because he's Yorkie, not because of what people perceive him to be. You know, people look at him and say, oh, he might not take it seriously. Well, that's not the case for it. I know how tough it is to get into management. I know how tough it is to get the coaching. So, well, listen to me, yeah? You've got to be serious about it. If you're going to do it, you have to be serious. You've got to be seen to be out there watching games. You've got to be active. You've got to be in amongst it. You know, for people to look at you and say, yeah, He's serious about becoming a manager. And naturally, that, that, sh- that shouldn't be the case. That shouldn't be the case. But I, I think for, for me personally, what, one, of the, one of the reasons I decided that I didn't want to coach or go into management because I, I, I didn't want to jump through hoops. I, I didn't want to jump through hoops. I made my mind like that. No, I want to go to coaching. I want to know that I'm on a lame, level playing field like everybody else. If I do my coaching badges... I'll go in there if I apply for a job, a man's going to look at me as a man, not a black man. You know, and it, as it transpires, it's exactly the same thing. You know, you, you get judged by your colour first. And then after that, if you get a job, well, you've done extremely well. And if you don't, you've got to start down the bottom, which that's not a level playing field. We spoke to Sylvan Distan and he said he hasn't pursued a job, you know, in management because he's basically disenfranchised with the game. He feels like there's going to be no opportunity. What do you have to say to, you know, the industry? Because when black players of high profile like Sylvan, you know, so Campbell that has to start at the bottom when he's better than that, gets the jobs that they do get. Like, what do you have to say to that? What, what do we have to say? Oh. Of course we're disappointed. We've got to be disappointed. But don't, don't forget, we've already got it in the back of our minds. We've already got it here. Like that. If I ever, if I want to coach, I'm disadvantaged straight away. Do I really want to go for that process of, I mean, being up, no, ten steps behind before you even get started? You know, that's 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 tough. Mentally, that's very very tough because you're playing catch up straight away. 
you know, and you're, the only way you're going to catch it is someone give you that opportunity. So when I hear people talk about, oh, if you get the qualification, oh, it's the best man for the job, nonsense. That is, that is a nonsense. And like I touched on, you know, that's the reason I turned and said, no, I can't do it. I can't go through getting qualifications, getting qualifications and still being frowned upon once you get there. So I, I totally understand where Seal's coming from. Nah, interesting. Um, and obviously, Andy, we know, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're, we're talking about the, you know, the, the, pand- the pandemic of, of, of racism, but then, you know, we, we also have the pandemic currently of, of, of COVID-19 and we've all um, been, you know, in isolation and, and, and locked up indoors uh, for, for the past couple of months. And, and you've all been in isolation on, on your own. I know you mentioned that you were with your, uh, your, your daughter for a week, but for, for the most part, you've, you've, you, you've been um, on your own. How, 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 how's that been for, for you? Especially, you know, as Dej alluded to it um, you know, um, earlier on, someone with um, underlying health issues, um, you know, you, you, you've obviously got to be extra careful and extra safe. So, so you know, how has this period been for you? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's naturally, it's, it's as tough as any, anybody else. You know, it's, it's been really hard. Um, none of us could sit here and say we expected to be in this position and never mm-hmm. did. So as we're in it, you know, for me personally, it's like 12, yeah, it's 12 weeks at the end of this week. But I don't even know. I've done that sometimes. It's, it's one of those ones. You know, you <laughs> yeah. Know, I've actually done like four weeks indoors. You know, some days, yeah, I go out for a walk or I get on my bike or that. And other days, I just stay indoors and say, you know, so I'm, I'm look, I look back at it now and I said, like I said, oh, I don't know, I've done it. But in, in that time that I've ended up doing it, I've had an unbelievable time in reflecting on. I mean, my life, what I've done, what I've achieved, what I didn't like, what I have liked, or whatever it may be. So, in, in, in a good way, yeah, the reflection time has been really good. That's been really good. In a not-so-good way, I can't say I could go through all this again because it's long. It's mm. proper, proper long. And um, like I said, it, mentally, it's tough because it's, it's numbing. It's numbing to know that you're not allowed to go out, you're not allowed to get involved with being around people and all those kind of things still. Yeah, so I remember in January, I believe it was, we came to your show with Flex. You know, it was in West London and, mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful day. You know, you opened up and you spoke about mm-hmm. how, you know, the illness affects you. I even remember you taking medication on the stage kind yeah. of thing. So what's the sort of, you know, day-to-day battles that you have to go with with the illness? For me, I think the, the toughest thing for me is I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at accepting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've always been an individual. If I'm going to go out there, I've got to do it to the best of my ability. I've got, and if I'm happy with something, I'm happy. If I'm not happy, I'm not happy. And to accept that I'm in a position whereby I've got illness for the rest of my life and to certain things that I can't do anymore, I want to do it. And I can't do the way that I want to do. I'll get frustrated in me. But that, that's that's just my personality. That's the way I've been brought up. That's my footballing prowess. That's everything in me. You, you know, you get to that stage when you're so, so proud of doing whatever you've got to do. And when you can't do anymore, you get so frustrated in yourself. That, I'm that guy, guy. I mean, frustration for mm. me 
I don't, I don't take runners up or anything like that. I have to do it to the best of my ability. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've ultimately, I've, I've always been very tough on myself. So this position that I found myself in is like, I've got a defeat here. I've, I've got to find a way of beating the illness. I couldn't find a way around it. So when I say I can't find a way around it, straight away, that becomes a battle against myself. I, I can't find a way of beating it, so I've got to try and work with it. And there's days, yeah, naturally, of course I want to work with it. There's days I don't want to work with it. Those days when I'm really tired and I can't do anything, I'm turning around and saying to myself, no, no, come on, fix this up. Or you've been whatever, you've been, come on, you've got to get through this. But when the body turns around and says to you, no, you can't do anything. And mentally, I'm telling myself, you can. There's a clash. You know, so I, I feel naturally, I feel very disappointed in myself that I can't do what I want to do. So, like I said, that, that's accepting that. If, if, if I could accept it, I'd be good to go. But I can't accept. I'm, I'm not good at accepting things that I can't control. Andy, I just want to quickly go back to something um, in terms of the discussion we were having earlier. Um, I think I asked a similar question to Les Ferdinand. And for me, you're the, you know, number three in the all-time top goal scorers in the Premier League history. Um, Les Ferdinand is in the top 10 of that list. You two are two shooters, right? goal scorers. You guys bang goals, yeah? And I looked at the England caps and I saw Andy Cole 15, Les Ferdinand 17. What's that about? <laughs> well, so in, in, my, in my case, I... I, I, I not just football, football's politics as well. And politics plays, uh, plays a big part. I mean, when, when I first I was playing well at Newcastle, scoring goals and all that, and I, my, I should have been in the England squad. And uh, Kevin Keegan pulled me into his office and I had to listen to the phone call that he had with a, a guy named um, David Davis. Uh, and he was giving Kevin every, every reason why I wasn't in the England squad. I was turning around and saying to myself, as a kid watching England play, if you're playing well for your club, you always got an England squad, and actually you get yourself into the team and you play, and you give the, you get the opportunity to try and, I mean, forge some kind of England career. That wasn't my, that wasn't happening for me. So it's like there was a big battle not to get me in the England team or the England squad, and then when I finally got in the England squad, no one to play me. So, Andy, are you saying you were blackboard? Yeah, at that time, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy for whatever reason. That's that's the way it was, and I I, I only felt comfortable, yeah, when um, Howard Wilkinson <laughs> took over for one game. And I remember Howard Wilkinson pulled me. He goes, "You're right. You're going to play today." He goes, um, "As long as I've got this job." You're going to play. I'm like saying, well, and this time I've, I've seen off a few England managers by then, you know, and that and that, that that was the strangest thing. So that that was my situation. England. I never dwell on it. I never dwell on it. For me personally, there's no point dwelling on it. It was that's the way it was meant to be, and that was where you're supposed to work out from. You know what? Just following on from that from that question, Andy, I've got a two part question uh, for you. 
um, because of the fact that you, you um, in your England career, missed out on two World Cup um, squads, right? So, first question is, in, uh, with, and with regards to the 90, um, 98 squad, the strikers that were picked in that team were Les Ferdinand, Paul Merson, Michael Owen, and Teddy Sheringham. If you were the gaffer and you could swap yourself for one of those strikers, who would, who would you, who would you start? I'm going to be honest with you. It's not in the case of swapping myself. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be brutally honest with you. It was a case that I knew I should have gone. Mm. I'm, I'm not looking to swap myself with anybody. I'm saying that. That, that, that season, I've I done well for Man United. I think I ended up getting 20 odd goals for Man United that season. 25. Five well. And if, if you look at everybody else's goal return that year, I'm not sure how many got 25 goals. Mm. But that, that's when that that's when the shenanigans started with um with uh, Glenn Hoddle. Glenn Hoddle, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he was coming out and saying all that nonsense. And then when, when he when he come out of the nonsense, I, I I did hot him up in the press. That's like he tried to hot me up. And I, I, I think from then he was like, oh no no, you can't say them things. No no, you gotta keep your mouth shut. I said no no no, I, I can't keep my mouth shut. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. I, I might be a quiet individual. I mean, I see what's going on in front of me. Don't say anything. But when it comes to me to tell you how I'm feeling, what time is, I'll let you know. And then we mm. can go from there. So, like I said, when I got left, uh, I, I, I had to laugh to myself still. I had to because I, I knew that I should have been going to that World Cup. Uh, I knew if it wasn't for the politics involved in the football yet, yeah, I'd have gone to the World Cup. But, manana, say it though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andy, you know, it's clear to see that you're someone that haven't been given their flowers as Dap said. Um, a clear example of that for me was, I'm not sure if you saw it, a few weeks ago, match of the day, you know, Ian Wright, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer, they done their top 10 best goal scorers. And you only pitched in at 10 because Ian Wright said, you know what, let Andy go in sort of thing. I respect what he done. Do you think, you know, it's a bit of recency bias? Because when I looked at that mm. list, you saw Wayne Rooney, mm. you saw Didier Drogba. In my opinion, you're a better goal scorer than them. So when you saw that list... Uh... Oh, it was a mad thing still. <laughs> 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 Ultimately, I'll come on the podcast here to be real, yeah? Yeah. A, f- a friend of mine called me and said, um, have you been watching the match of the day stuff? So I said, no, nah, no, nah, I, don't, I, don't I don't watch it like that. Yeah? She goes, no, Coley, watch it, watch it. Yeah, so I watched it and I'm listening to do that and then one of my brethren called me he said oh my god I can't believe so I said what's that mean? he said oh, have you watched the match today so I said no 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 he said to me oh, you know you didn't even make the top 10 yeah so I said what do you mean I didn't make the top 10 he said goal scores yeah trust that let me watch this thing now let me watch this thing real hard yeah so I watched it yeah and even, even if they said yeah they didn't choose it it was the, um, the match commentators or whatever that choose the players, 
over the last how many years and that. And then when I'm listening, and then I didn't even make the top 10 and then right, he put me in the top 10. Yeah. I was bending up. I ain't gonna lie. I was bending up laughing. I, I was bending up laughing. And then the other day I did an interview with um, Andy Gray and Richie Keys. They couldn't stop laughing. They couldn't stop laughing. So I, I look at it this way, yeah. That's, that's how them people have disrespected me throughout my footballing career. That's how they've disrespected me. He's commentated or, or whatever, who, whoever wanted to say they chose the best top 10 goal scorers in the Premier League or whatever. Because when, when we talk about judging people by numbers, yeah, if you're going to judge people by numbers, yeah, I've been retired for 11 years, my 11 and a half years. My number's still stuck up with everybody else, still playing mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I've been retired. My numbers stack up. I scored one penalty in my 180. My numbers stack up. Yeah. So if you want to start taking away penalties and all that, my numbers stack up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whatever angle they want to try and talk about me, yeah, as if like I wasn't amongst those elite, yeah, my numbers stack up. Yeah. After that, yeah, my achievements in the game stack up. Facts. So Facts. we go back to Glenn Odo we're talking about, yeah, I need five, six goals in a game. If I take those five, six goals in a game, yeah, I'd have had 300 not goals. Mm. Yeah. But take that away. For me to get in those positions that he perceived that I needed five or six chances, yeah, that was just, I wasn't getting in those positions. So when people say to me, was you disappointed with that? Was I disappointed? Yeah, I was disappointed. But on the flip side of that, I wasn't disappointed because that has been the system throughout my whole career. So, Andy, in terms of top goal scorers in the Premier League, where would you put yourself? Uh, where would I put myself? Yeah. Where, where, where my goals put me? And we can talk about... Yeah, we can talk about... Fair enough, I know the foreign players have joined late and whatever. There's no difference. It makes no difference if they join late or left or where it, make, it makes no difference. Yeah, yeah I, I played my whole career in the Premier League. Yeah, of course I did. I scored, I scored goals in the Premier League. It didn't matter if I was playing for Blackburn, you know, Manchester City, in San Luis, whoever. I scored goals in the Premier League, period. So, like I said, when, when people disrespect me on that, I, I, I do laugh. I do laugh. But, I mean, when my time is gone and I'm, I'm pushing up daisies, I don't want anyone... Don't show, don't show me no love. Then I said, you know, he was underrated or whatever. I said, my boy the other day, I said, my son the other day, Devonte. I said, Devonte, I already know, yeah, I was one of the best of my era. Period. If anyone was arguing with me and tell me, I said, no, you wasn't blah, blah, blah. Look at my numbers. I was one of the best of my era. And I, I, I like having this conversation, like, I spoke to Thierry about this many, many times and Thierry would say to me, I cannot believe game. you never get the respect that you deserve. And when I have someone like that speaking to me like that on level, I turn around and say to myself, you see? I've done my uh, thing, innit? You know what I mean? Them man is not they're not perceived as, like we are. I mean, Thierry's perceived as a Frenchman, which he is. Yeah. But let me tell you something now. If Thierry was black and he was British, there wouldn't have been licks in Liverpool about Thierry, the way they talk about him. 
going to stand me. They wouldn't do it. And I mm. know that. You know, so what, like I said, when I, when I can talk to a man on those kind of levels, yeah, and the man can take the hat off to me and say, man, he's one of the best. I like that. I like that all day long because mm. people like his opinion means more to me like than some commentator's opinion or whatever. So that's that. So what role do you think the media have to play in this? Because, again, I was speaking to Dej off record and I was watching a show and I was just listening to people's gist about the best partnerships in Premier League history. And I hear Rooney Van Nistelrooy. I hear Teddy and Oli. I hear Henri and Burkamp. But I don't hear Dwight York and Andy Cole. You're mad. I, I, I watched the one when you said to me, Rooney said, come out and see me and video. Best Premiership partnership. Let me tell you now on your podcast today, 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 the best premiership partnership, Andy Cole and Dwight York. Mm. The best. Energy. Energy. Best. Yeah. Thierry and Dennis were a fantastic partnership. But like I said, when I, when I spoke to Thierry and Thierry come out, I said, your partnership with Dwight was better than mine. Dennis. When a man can come out and say them kind of things, mm. you got, that, that man, he's, he's not using those fingers being flippant, you know what I'm saying? Mm. He's looking at it and he said, man, that, just the way you two play, the way you... And that, that's, that's the way it was. You know, so if, if people want, don't want to give us love or show any love to their partnership, that's entirely up to them. But if you're doing a partnership and you do your thing, come on, man, you've got to give people props. There's no mm. point giving people props when they're not here. Yeah. What's the point of that? Yeah. So, you know, that's the easy thing to do. Instead of when, when the individual's there saying, no. well, he was a baller, you know, straight baller. So, Andy, do you Keep think that's going to happen, that people are going to give you your accolades and flowers once you're not here? Is that, is that what you think is going to happen? I, I'm ju- I am just about getting them now. Hmm. So, yeah, when, like I said, when, when I'm pushing up those daisies, man, you know, that's when people are going to talk about, man, you know what, he could ball a little bit, you know. Yeah, man, what about this and what about that? But that's, that's the system I'm in, man. You know what, um, Andy? Naturally, like, you, you come across as a very relaxed and easygoing person. You know, you, you just go about your business and so on and so forth. But um, you've, you, you've had your fair share of, um, of uh, uh, bust-ups and, and arguments uh, <laughs> along, along the road, right? Now taking it, taking it, <laughs> taking it back to um, you. Obviously, had um, uh, an interesting relationship, to say the least, with a certain Graham Sooners. Um, and of course, it's it, it, it's it's a uh, you know well documented and reported that you um, you reported him to the to the PFA uh, and accused him of uh, unfair treatment. And we've we've obviously seen uh, him come out. Uh, and criticise other players, um, Paul Pogba, for example, um, about you know his you know his feeling that he's he's a bit too arrogant and he's not uh, applying himself. So, do you, do you feel it's it, it's something that is you know not so specific to you, but perhaps he doesn't understand uh, certain players and 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 the way certain players are. Um, or, or do you think it? What essentially? What do you think it is? What? Why do you think he has an issue? Or he had an issue with you back then, and, and he treated you unfairly, um, criticized people like Pogba in the way that he does. Well, 
I'm not, I'm not even going to say a, a, a bad word about Graham yet, you know. We, 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 yeah, like, I mean, look, this is the way I move, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I am a quiet guy. Everyone knows I'm a quiet guy, but around my people, yeah. I mean, I let my hair down, I'm doing what I'm doing, but when I don't know people too well, yeah, I've got to see what you're all about. I've got to see what your MO is. Mm. And once I think your MO is calm, yeah, we can we can move, you know. But if I don't take to someone's energy, yeah, I'm not that kind of guy. You know, not, people say, oh, I'm, I'm awkward, I'm arrogant. No, it's just, I ain't taking to your energy because I don't know your MO. I, like I said, that, that, that's, that's just me. So when I talk about people, the loudest people in the room are usually the most insecure individual. I mean, I, I think majority of the time, that is right. Yeah. So my, my, my issue with Graham was, you know, back then, Graham was a bully. Graham was a bully and Graham thought he, he could bully man. Yeah, and I was basically saying to Graham, he, he don't work like that. I've, I've, I've grown up different. I've grown up different. Yeah, the, the way I've grown up here, yeah, and I've seen certain things going in my life already. Yeah, bullying don't work. I'm saying. So I, I, I took up a challenge against a man that I really held no fear to. Yeah, and that that was a challenge of me losing my temper and, you know, just turn around and say to him, let me just roll and get it. So what we've got to sort out, you know, but. Graham, he's very, he's very he's old-fashioned. He is very old-fashioned, but he's very set in his way. And he was an unbelievable midfield player. I can his day with a fantastic midfield player. Yeah. But when a man is set in his ways and the way he used to play and the way his teammates used to play, you know, he looks at the game totally differently to how the game is now. And that, 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 that is him. So when he talks about Paul Pogba, I get frustrated. I get frustrated. I can't even lie. I get frustrated. So, Andy, do you think there's some undertones when he's talking? Because this seems to be sort of like a witch hunt. I even remember the other day, I think Teddy Sheridan was on Sky with Graham, and they were talking about Man United. Then Graham Sooners was like, who? Like who? Then Teddy Sheridan was like, oh, Paul Pogba. And Sooners was sort of like laughing. It's sort of like they're treating Pogba like he's a fairground player, and they're trying to harass him sort of out of the country. What's your view on that? Well, see, I'm, I'm one of Paul Pogba's biggest fans. I'll go and sit here and lie. I'm one of his biggest fans, you know. And when, when people constantly have a guy at him, constantly have a guy at him, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not played as well as he, he would have liked to have played. Mm. I think Paul would be the first one to come out and say that. But when he plays, he plays. And then you, you can see what he gives to Manchester United. You can see men like him don't play in the World Cup and win the World Cup if he can't play the game. You know, he's got every attribute towards his game. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that he stays at Man United for many more years and proves to those individuals who've been speaking about him in that tone, yeah, just how good a player is. And turn around and tell him, look, this is what I'm all about. But only time will tell. But take, take nothing away from Paul Pogba. He's, he's a quality player. Uh, whatever Graham got against Paul, only Graham can answer that question, you know. And if he's going to be honest, he'll tell you the truth why Every player could play like Graham Sinis. And not every player can play like Paul Pogba. So, 
Me is what was suited in other's eyes. Yeah, so Andy, we you know spoke in passing about Teddy sharing them. That was another one of you know the people that he had bust up with in football. Um, I recently read that he said he bumped into you in a nightclub, and when you were with your ex-wife Shirley, and you sort of like spudded him, sort of like saying, you know what, it's all forgotten about. It's all it's all forgiven. What's your relationship with? What's it like? Well, I, I don't know. I, well, I just said myself, you know, I'm a big man now. I'm a big man. Yeah? I can't hold badges like I'm a big man. Yeah? I've done it for 20 odd years or whatever. I'm a big man now. I've got to come out of those things. But I always say to people, I deal with you the same way you deal with me. If you come with me with the right energy, I've got nothing but energy for you. If you come with the wrong energy, I'm coming with you the same way. But when I come with people with bad energy or the same energy they give me and they don't like it, they don't like it with me because I'm letting you know, basically, I don't care. I don't care if you don't like it. That's the way you dealt with me. And it's just the way I handle things. People don't like the way, how can a man be so quiet, yeah? But when he comes and says something, he let off, yeah? And he's basically saying to you, yeah, when you're ready, we go from there. And people try and say, well, it's like he's, he's got two personalities, his brother. But yeah, he, he'll speak to the next man, he'll be calm. You know, mm. well, that's the way that man's treating me with love. You know, so with Teddy, anything's possible. Right now, it's, for me, it's calm. You know, if I see him, I'll be polite. i say hello. You know, and that, that's about it. Yeah, we'll be holding grudges now. Mm. Just to go back to the um, Paul Pogba um, stuff that we were speaking about just a minute ago. Um, again, I'm going to reference the Ornstein and Chappers podcast because I think you spoke very you know, eloquently on it. Um, but you were talking about the adjectives that are coined to describe black footballers. Um, chip on your shoulder, arrogant. But then you see you know, a white player that's got the confidence or they play with that swagger. What do you have to say about things like that? <laughs> it was a system. That was a system growing up. I might say, you, you listen to the podcast, there. that was a system. Mm. Yeah. The, a man used to say, you're arrogant when you've got a ship on his shoulder. Yeah. And a white brother, he could have played ball and and said, man, this, this kid, he can play, man. He turned and said, he, said, well, he ain't doing anything different to me. But, He's got swagger, he can play, and we've got a chip on our shoulder. We can't play when it's cold or them kind of thing, you know. So that's, that's what we've had to deal, deal with ever since I've been young. And that ultimately, that never really goes away. That never really goes away until you get to a stage whereby you have a manager who trusts in your ability and doesn't look at things like that. He just trusts in your ability, you know. But th- those, those little things when, when I was younger, a man used to try and say, oh, he's arrogant. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's that. Yeah, he, he used to drive me mad. But when I used to lose a plot, I used to turn around and say, you don't even know me like that, yeah? But that's the way you want to be judging me. Yeah, but you are arrogant. What, what is arrogance? What is arrogance? If you believe in yourself. You know, you know, you know you're not talking about my parents when they first come and they have to be very subservient. No, them days are done. My dad did my hard yards for me. <laughs> and that's why I, I, I always said to myself when I was younger and I, I left home and I started on my football journey. My dad has done my hard yards for me. 
I could never ever have done what he done. Yeah. Um, when I was getting in all the madness when I was young and arguing with him and falling out and that, I get it now. I get it because basically he was telling me when I was young, yeah, you are black. You want to play football, you don't know how hard it's going to be. And I said, my dad, you don't know. He was telling me before I even went on my journey how difficult it was going to be. I only realised that when I was on my journey. So, you know, growing up, that was part and parcel of it. A man saying to you, you got a chip on your shoulder, you're arrogant, you're this, you're that. You think you're better than what you are. You know, but that, that only galvanised someone like me. Yeah, I even remember your partnership with Dwight York. Many commentators would say, look at the pace and power. When you look at that partnership, it was about skill, finesse, technique. So what do you think can be done, construct these adjectives that are used about, you know, the black players? We've seen it recently with Yaya Torre, you know, beast, monster. When in my opinion, he was one of the best technical midfielders and one of the best midfielders of recent times. How do you think these words can change and, you know, black players are starting to be, you know, referenced properly for the skill and finesse that they possess? When people open their minds, you, know, you have, first and foremost, you have to open your mind to what you're seeing. And how, you know, you've you got to report on things on how you seem fit. But don't forget the way people report on things or the way people say things about about individuals, you know. That's the way they see us. I mean, quick, strong, you know, powerful, a beast, you know. Don't forget, if, if you go back in history, that's the way they used to address us, like, you know. Strong. I mean, yes, strong. This one can work. Mm -hmm. I mean, so don't forget, that's, that's that mentality. You know, so you, you have to get away from that mentality first and foremost. You know what, Andy? You you spoke a little bit there about your um your your dad, mm. and now looking back at it, you know what you've learned, and you you are understand you now understand what he was trying to, you know, get get into into your head back back then. Now, obviously, you've got a a, a son, uh, Devonte, who also plays. And he's a striker. I think he's he's down at Doncaster now since. Mm -hmm. So, and how do you how do you manage the dynamic in terms of being hands on, and also allowing him to flourish and develop? It's the film, you know. His dad's Andy Cole, this prolific goal scorer. He's also a striker. Do you do you you know? Are are you more of a uh, like? Do you try to be hands-on in a sense that you you know you want the best for him, obviously, so you're on his case, or do you also respect the fact that he's got to come into his own a little bit and and maybe some of the things that your dad taught you, you kind of see maybe in a different way and you, you try to handle things in a, in a slightly different way? With me, no, you know, with me and my son, yeah, it's, 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 it's a funny one. Yeah, when he first got started, I never forced him into it. He wanted to do it and whatever. When I, I always used to say, just go out there and enjoy yourself, yeah? So decent level, yeah. I've, I've, of course, I started to to look after him, yeah. But I, I I was never forceful with him. I always wanted him to give me everything he's got. If you give me everything you got, we we'll come. Yeah, you give yourself everything you got, and then after that, we we'll, we'll go from there. 
So it, I've never ever been a forceful dad with him, never. Never. Yeah, of course we try and talk things through it, but I'm not forced. I'm not saying you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You've got to get up to my level. Because the possibilities of you getting up to my level, yeah, are going to be very, very difficult from the start. Yeah, so I was never saying you have to be better than your dad. And the, the toughest part with me and my son was like, because I was looking up, I didn't like the way people were dealing with him. Yeah, I didn't like the way people say things about him. Yeah. So it was totally different from my dad growing up. Yeah? My dad knew nothing about football. I mean, nothing. Mm. My dad thought it was a dumb game. I mean, come from Jamaica, tell me about you got to play cricket. You know what I'm saying? So my dad was a dumb game, yeah? You can't play football. Yeah? You can only play cricket. So that was his perception. Mm. So I knew when I was playing football, basically I had to do it by myself, yeah? And my brother. So becoming a father and having my son in I can't have a man talk to him the way he used to talk to me when I was a youth. So that's when I used to get nasty with people. I said, no, no, no. My knowledge now of playing football is just as good as you, if not better. So when you're going to talk to my son, you talk to my son on a level. Yeah? You don't talk down to him, you talk to him on a level. Because when I talk to my son about football, yeah, I talk to him on a level. Mm. Then my son used to get frustrated with me and say, oh, dad, dad. You can't talk to him like that because he's a coach. So I turned around and said, yeah, I hear he's a coach, yeah, but what I'm saying to him as a coach or whoever it's going to be, yeah, if you talk to me on a level, I will talk to you on a level. Because mm-hmm. yeah, all I want is the best of my son. Yeah? So don't try and guy him off. And then he'll come to me and say, oh, dad, the coach. Yeah. And I turned and said, well, he sees something that I didn't see. So in the end, he said, no, oh, dad, 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 oh, you can't look after me no more with him. You just end up arguing with people and all them kind of things. So I said, yeah, I'm, I'm only arguing your corner. And my dad didn't argue my corner for me. Mm. So I've had beer falling out with people over my son. And I mean beer falling out. A man tried to talk down to us. I said, I tell him, shit, it don't work. It doesn't work. Don't ever try and talk down to me. Don't ever try to disrespect me because you're in a position of manager or whatever. You're in a coaching position because you've had the opportunity to do it. Yeah. So Andy, do you believe like this could have been a detriment to your son's career? You know, yeah, at times. At, at times, yeah. At times, yeah. Because I mean, when I get into it like that, I get into it, and mm. I, I, I will get fiery with people. You know what I'm saying, you know, I, 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 I take it back to when I was a kid. When I get into those kind of arguments, I turn around and say to myself when I was younger, really, truly, I ain't got nothing to lose. Still, you know, um. When I used to get caught in that situation and I used to step out of it and come where I said, I said to myself, oh my God, what have you done? Nah, man, and this ain't about you. This is not about you. But I had to fight my corner. So when I was fighting my son's corner, I'm fighting his corner, but then I'm fighting my own corner as well, saying, nah, I've already seen that. Because some of the things that people say, my son, oh, he's quiet. Oh, he doesn't want it enough. Oh, he's... um." He doesn't do this. Have I heard that about me when I was at the same age? So I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that because I've already done it. I've already proved that I can do it. So there's nothing why my son can't prove it as well and do it. So things like that drive me mad. And that's why I always used to get in certain situations about him. And like he said, yeah, at times it possibly had been to his detriment, but at times. I said. Andy, last one for me before we go into your Man United career a bit further. Um, 
we've seen the likes of Raheem Sterling, Jaden Sancho come out and speak about, you know, racism in football. Um, and this is a question that we actually posed to Rio Ferdinand. And he said there's some incidents in his career where he felt he should have spoken out. But because of his support network, he had to keep quiet. Jaden Sancho, backed by EPG, who are a black business. Raheem Sterling, backed by CSM, that are a black agency. Are there any incidents that you had in your career where you feel, I look back on that, I should have spoken out? No. Not completely, no? No. No, I can hold my mouth. Mm. I can hold my mouth, no. So there was no one saying anything like, Andy, you can't talk, you can't talk. For me, it didn't matter. That's that's the maddest thing, man. When when, when people say, yeah, they they can relate to me and I'm I'm one of them and, you know, he's like, yeah, Cody's one of us. The way he handles himself, the way, yeah, because I wouldn't, I can't, I can't sit here and say, I wish I'd have said it then. We said no, because ultimately yeah, that's gonna hurt you. That's gonna burn you. Yeah. And same kind of question I had the other day, and I got to a stage when my mum used to say, "Me don't hold anything on your chest." And I used to be quiet as I was. If a man upset me, I'd tell him straight, boom. And as I got older, I said, "No, you got a mellow now. You're getting in a position where you got a mellow." Yeah. That used to hurt. me. That used to hurt me because I wouldn't come out and say what I wanted to say. So, I mean, I was like, I was carrying the world on my shoulders. And I said to myself, no, no, it's a freedom of speech still. And if something's hurting you, you've got to come out and say it. You know, you, you don't mean to be rude or disrespectful to anybody, whoever you're going to say it about or whatever it is. But if something's hurting you, you've got to get it off your chest. You know, so I've, I've always said to myself, you know, and just get it off your chest, man. Get off your chest. Yeah, so Andy, you were at Newcastle. You know, you scored a lorry load of goals, which obviously earned you your move to Manchester United. And, you know, when we grew into the game, you know, our first introduction into football was the Europe, which was wreaking havoc up and down the country in Europe. First question I wanted to ask is, how did that partnership come about? Because I remember at the Flex, you know, meet and greet, you sort of said Alex Ferguson stumbled upon it. Yeah, so how did it come about? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Well, I, I I knew that some of the, the, the manager was looking at bringing um, Yorkie. Yeah, but I knew he tried bringing uh, Patrick Clover as well. So Yorkie, the Yorkie deal got done. We was on preseason tour, so the Yorkie deal got done. Um, Private decided we want to go to Barcelona, goes to Barcelona. So, not really in the back of my night, mind. I knew, I knew things were going to be difficult. I mean, things were difficult at Man United anyway because he really expected to win season in season out. But I, did, I just decided I'm going to get my head down the same way. Um, nothing ain't really going to change still. So, Yorkie coming in, you know, breath of fresh air. Yorkie being what he is, he's bubbly, he's. Um, healthy as a joke and that. So he comes in and then he hits the ground running. And I mean, he hits the ground running hard, hard, hard. And so I, I didn't play until possibly four or five games into the season. 
and we played Southampton at the old Dell. The manager picked the team that sat the morning and told me that I was playing. And I, I just said to myself, you just got to do what you got to do. You know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, you can look at yourself and you said, you give it everything you've got. Man, it was just what's supposed to work. That From that day, man, it was supposed to work. And bruv, it did work. You know, what, what we did that afternoon at the old, it, it was mad. It, it was proper, proper mad. Um, and then after that, man, things just, they, they went to a nuts. Absolute nuts. No, I wanted to ask you, Andy, um, do you feel like um, Dwight York was the only striker that you weren't, that you weren't necessarily in competition with at the club? That's a good question. You know, I was, you know, obviously, you had Cantona and, and Nistelroy and whatnot, but did it feel like he was, he was a, bit, a bit different? Like, you weren't competing for the same position almost as, as it was players that we mentioned. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Is he the only competition I'm in? Yourself. Here you go. <laughs> that, that was my competition. Mm. If, I, if I couldn't get the best out of myself, yeah, well, well I've got to need to worry about the next man because ultimately it's the way I play, it's the way I perform, it's what I bring out of myself. Yeah, someone else can always help you to bring the best out of you as an individual, but ultimately you have to do it yourself. I'm saying so. Well, that, that was competition with me. So I, I never thought in competition with Dwight, uh, Rude, Eric, anybody else. You know, because I've always been my own worst critic and I've always been my own biggest fan. So when it comes to things like that, it made no difference to me whatsoever. What do you have to say in regards to Sir Alex Ferguson? Was he the only manager or the only person in football that can give it to you and you accept it? I, I, I wouldn't say it, Seth. You've got to deal with it. I mean, look, I used to have so many arguments with this man, yeah, when he used to come in the dressing room and proper, proper hook me up in there. And I used to say, nah, bro. I said, nah, I can't make him get away with this. And he's, he's, proper, he's proper going in on man. He's going in, he's going in. And then, no. So I'll end up having an argument. Yeah. An argument could run for, for a minute still. But you know there's only one winner. And he wins the argument. Whatever happened, he wins the argument. But ultimately, I have to come out and say, yeah, at least I have to say what I've got to say. And I mean, he made me feel better. But when I went out on the pitch, if it was the first half or whatever, when I went out on the pitch, yeah, that second half or whenever it is, I'm now giving everything I've got and I'll come in at full time or whatever. He'll turn around and say to me, there you go. That's the calling. Yeah, what I found interesting, you know, with the evening with Flex as well, you said before you went into Man United, when you first got into your changing room, you looked around and you saw Shamichael, your Neville's, your Cantoners, and you sort of questioned yourself saying, hmm, have I got it? Have I hmm. got it to be a Man you know, for a player or for a fan from the outside looking in, we will see Andy Cole, confident man. He bangs goals. So if you could just walk us through that moment, going into that changing room for the very first time, knowing that you were joining a bunch of serial winners. 
So for me, when, when I first walked into that dressing room, yeah, yeah I, I did question myself. Cause what everyone forgets is what I only, I only had a year and a half in the Premier League, you know, the full season at Newcastle, and then the following season I left that January. Um, I'm not even bedding yet to the Premier League, to the dressing room, and I'm seeing them, man. I've been watching them, man, for the longest now. I looked around as if, oh, have you got it? There's some ballers in here. Mm, this is like peace, Just <laughs> 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 the serial winners like you touched on, uh, international players, and they've been at Old Trafford for a minute and they know what it's all, all about to play at Old Trafford. So, yeah, bowling in there and thinking, man, yeah, this, this is different. Because when I was at Newcastle, I was playing like, I was playing ball at a road or on the park. I had no fear. Like I was playing my bridges, I got there, I'll do what I gotta do. Yeah. I get showered, hop in the lounge and then cut, go home. And that's what I was like when I was younger. Like, I'll play football, do what you're doing, go home. Yeah, it might go out that evening or whatever. So at Newcastle I had no fear because in my mind I was doing exactly the same thing. I didn't even think about anything when I was at Newcastle. Just make sure I turn up on time. Yeah, and do what I've got to do. Yeah, so what were the training sessions like as well? Like, were the touches Chris? Were you like, wow, this is almost like a different sport compared to Newcastle? Yeah, the size of Manchester United as well, and like I said, the players, it was everything like that. It, it, it blew my mind. Yeah, it, it blew my, line, my mind that I could be at that level so, for me, was so young. Yeah, and so early after only having a year and a half in, in the Premier League. So for me to reach those dizzy heights after a year and a half, man, mm. you know, it, it was crazy. But don't forget before that I was at I was at Bristol City. A year and a half before that. Mm. Playing in mm. people forget. forget. I mean, and don't don't forget that mm. a year and a half, two years before that, I was playing reserve team football at Arsenal. So every, everything happened happened for me within like six years, like bang, 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 bang. I, I, I didn't know what hit me. I didn't know what hit me. And I, I, did, I didn't understand, you know, how quickly fame can come. Mm. I mean, I've got, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not built for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not built for anything like that. Everything coming so quick. And for me, having to, to deal with it was, um, was hard. It was real, real hard. I mean, losing leaving Newcastle, going to Man United for that kind of deal with what I had to do with that Man, Man United was like the first year, first year and a half. Andy, you know what's interesting? Your, your relationship with Roy Keane, because I look at the two of you and see, you know, completely opposite personalities. But would you say the high standards made you two click with each other? Yeah, I look, you know what's... It's, Skip is a bad man, you know. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a bad man, man. He's, he's, he's a baller. He's a baller. Speaks yeah. how it is. Um, that's what I like about people. Tommy straight. Um, but all, all, all he wanted from you, you give me everything you've got. I mean, leave, don't leave nothing on the line for me. Uh, give me everything you've got. I, I demand the best of you, just like I demand the best for myself. And that, that's why I, I loved him. I mean, I got up on really well. I laugh and joke with him. I remember when I was in hospital, he came come to see me, all them kind of things. 
You know, and a man will only come and do those kind of things if he's got respect for you. Mm-hmm. Understand me? So we come, we laugh and joke. I speak with him every now on the phone or he send me a message and that. He's, he's a baller, man. He's a proper top draw leader as well. Yeah, there was that semi-final against Juventus. You know, Roy Keane put in a, you know, Roy of the Rovers performance against the likes of Edgar David Zidane was their content 2-0 down. Like, explain the emotions of that game, coming back to win 3-2 and, you know, make it to a historic final. Um, I, I, I think with us, we, we always believed that we could get a goal. It didn't matter who was against. Uh, that season, Juventus was the best team in Europe. Definitely. You know, we played, we played them quite a few times. But we, we always believed we had, we had enough to go on and beat them. So when Roy got us, uh, you know, up after that, man, to, to a man, it was all unbelievable. I mean, a European Cup final, everyone wants to play. Everyone, any footballer, any youth growing up wants to play in the European Cup final. I remember watching it when I was a kid. I was saying to myself, boy, I'd love to play in that. I, I didn't even know what level I was going to play. I never mind wanting to play in the European Cup final. So, yeah, that night was a special, special night, my real special. You know, Yorkie gets the second one. I set him up for the second one. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Centre forward knows what, knows what a centre forward wants. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then, yeah, I, I get the third one and we go through, uh, you know, maybe win the game and we go on to Barcelona, which was um, very, very special. Yeah, so how was it like, you know, playing against Zinedine Zidane? You know, this was one of my childhood heroes one of the best players or best midfielders, in my opinion, to ever play the game. So, you know, squaring up against him on that night, how was it? You see, when I say to people, yeah, I played football at <laughs> level, I could play a little bit, but really, I was just a fan of football, yeah. When I when I ever played against these guys, yeah, I was actually in the tunnel with these guys. I mean, all with these guys. Yeah, I've, I've watched these guys for many years now. Zidane, unbelievable footballer. But I remember when we played Inter Milan that same season and um, mm. I lined up in the time that I see Ronaldo. I ain't going to lie, I need a weapon. This guy, this is the guy I've, I've watched for years and I'm talking about baller, straight baller. I mean, had everything in the locker. And I'm standing in a tunnel yeah, at the San Siro. I'm looking at Ronaldo and I'm saying, oh, this is sick. I mean, but when you're at that level and you you, you think, man, I, I'm actually at this level with these guys. I'm saying, I'm on the same pitch as these guys. I'm on, I'm on that level. But when you, it's surreal. It's surreal. I'm, I'm always honest and I'm always open when it comes to things like this. Playing against these kind of guys, man, it's... it's Something that when I do take the opportunity to look back, I look at things like that and say, my stuff, yeah. I said to my boys the other day, I mean, I've done all right. I half made it. Not half made it, man. Which is half about. Do you know what, um, Andy? You, you referred to um, Ronaldo uh, previously as the real Ronaldo, right? And obviously, you're talking about yeah, being... And... and, and, and you regarded him right you've got the the other Ronaldo in Cristiano Ronaldo who in terms of accolades could talk to some of you know some some of the best players in the world right Mm -hmm. however 
the the feeling is that generally speaking, right? Old school Ronaldo is the Ronaldo, right? Mm-hmm. And regarded as the phenomenon and so on and so forth. Is there do you think there'll ever be a time that Cristiano Ronaldo can be spoken about in the same breath as um Brazilian Ronaldo? And if not, why? Like the kids see now. If you speak to a lot of the kids now, you talk about Brazilian Ronaldo, they look at you like you've got three heads. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't yeah. know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if we're looking back at football, if we take away Ronaldo's injuries, R9's injuries, yeah, he could have gone on to win Ballon d'Or after Ballon d'Or and scored a zillion goals. Cause 12 he Ballon d'Or. Baller, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He was an absolute baller from 17. This man was going on wicked. Understand me? Yeah. yeah. So, of course, we're going to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo on that level as R9. Yeah. Because that's what we see now. That's what the kids see now. But like I said, if you take away that injury, boy, boy, the way that we've been talking about, I mean, Brazilian Ronaldo, as we call him as well, Fat Joe. <laughs> yeah. Wow, sick. Sick, bro. Um, Proper Andy. baller. Andy, final one from me before well, I think Dej has a final question and we finish up. Um, just talk to us about that Champions League final against Bayern Munich. I know you're probably sick and tired of the question, but how did it feel to, to win that Champions League final? It's, 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 it's a tough one to explain I, because you can't explain it. The emotions, the feeling, you know, Growing up as a kid, wanted to play in this tournament, wanted to win this tournament. All, all these kind of things come into <coughs> my head. You know, and I, I remember, I'm not a man on the photograph, I, I took a lot of time out to myself. You know, and I was thinking about the people that should have been there. Obviously, my granddaddy, he passed. I mean, my mum, my dad, I mean, um, my brother. And all these kind of things. I'm, I'm on the pitch here myself. This is what it's been all about. This is what I've, I've put my family for, this trouble for. I mean, this is what it's like leaving home at, I mean, 14 and moving in with my sister at 16. And I mean, being with Arsenal when I was a kid at 14 and all them kind of things. Everything was rolled into one that day. And what I've given up and sacrificing, a lot of things, it all played out that day. So it was a, it's a very, very special day. And that's why I'll, I'll never forget, like everybody else involved, but I'll never forget. But I, I know how tough the battle would be to get to that level. I know it, the ride was not easy. It was definitely no, not easy. No <laughs> doubt, Sandy. You've had a glamorous career, a successful career. And what I like to find out from players that have been at Man United is, how was it when you left the club? We always ruthless when he tells players to leave football clubs. You know, in the summer that you left, you know, Yorkie also left. How was Ferguson in, you know, conducting the message that, you know, it was time for passages new and it was time for you to find a new club? Was it amicable? But me, you know, I, I had a wicked relationship with him and I didn't even have to leave when I left. And that, that's the maddest thing. He, he said to me, you know, I was trying to get myself into the World Cup squad. And I want to play games and I'm, I'm not one for sitting on the bench. And he kept saying to me, you can stay as long as you want. I think I had like three, four years left on my contract. And he kept saying, no, 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 I'm not selling you. I'm not selling you. 
you can stay as long as you want, you know, you'll get your gains, but my mentality is, yeah, if I'm not giving you anything on a Saturday and I'm sitting on the bench for 60 minutes or 70 minutes, I'll, I'll get 15 minutes or whatever it is. I'm not, I'm not giving myself anything. You know, and that's, that's been my mentality from when I was a kid. And I've got to give you everything. And if I can't give you anything, I'm not giving you nothing. So I got to that scenario and I said to him, look, boss, and come on, um, do me a favour. It's like, I have to move on. I want to play games. I want to try getting the World Cup squad. And in the end, he said to me, yeah, not a problem. I understand where you're coming from. I know what you are. I know you don't like sitting on the bench and all these kind of things. So, yeah, seven million to Blackburn. Uh, made a, a million pound interest in all that. And... Um, the rest was history. So, like I said, I, I was never forced out the door. He wasn't ruthless with me. You know, I, I just, I had to do it for my own sanity, basically. I look back now, I've, I've, of course I regret it, because I, I didn't have to go home when I went to Blackburn. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out, obviously, with Graham and what happened there. But I can look myself in the mirror and say, I've never shirked my responsibilities. I, I don't. To, not to alarm people. I, my mum always used to say to me, boy, you're stubborn, you know? I said, no, man, I ain't stubborn. I, I just don't like to alarm people. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that is my, that's my MO. I don't like to alarm people. My, my best mate, my mum, my dad, my sister, I don't like to alarm them. I mean, leaving home at 14, I didn't want to alarm anybody. I made my mind up, boom, I'm gone, I'm doing it. You know, and I've, that's where I've lived. And I find it struggling when I got asked, I want to do something for me or whatever. And, you know, if I go back to my illness, that's where a lot of my problems come from. So I don't want to mm. ask anyone mm. for help. You know, but I know I can't do it myself, but this is just how I'm set. And once I come out of that, I'm, I'm good to go, man. Yeah, Andy, you provided us with a dope overview of, you know, 100%. your career, your <clears> life, <throat> you know, everything. But we want to finish in the same vein that we started you know, talking about the Black Lives Matter. You know, recently we've seen a lot of statements from the FA, you know, big corporations talking about solidarity. You know, in some quarters it's being perceived as tokenism. You know, but they're not actually putting things into action, which is what we want to see. So as we stand now and as I asked you, what do you think is a realistic three-point action plan to implement change into society so that we can see equal representation across the board but like, like I said before ultimately we they have to open their minds they've got to be prepared I mean to do it when you if they're not prepared to adhere to what they're talking about and accept that we have to move on you know Come next week or six months' time or a year time, if we've not moved on, we can have the same conversation. You know, people have to prepare themselves for change. And as I say, you know, change is hard. Change is very, very hard. I mean, as, as men, you say, oh, yeah, we're going to change this. And by the time you look around, you revert it back to what you're doing before <laughs> because it's, it's comfortable. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Once you make that decision that you're going to change, work with it. And that's, that's, I mean, that's all I can sit here and say, change. We've got to make our mind that like, we're going to change. No more lip service. 
no more lip service, change. So we have to change. We've got to say ourselves mentally, physically. That's what I want to do. I want to change. I want to become better. I want to make society better or whatever it may be. Do you have confidence that, you know, this uprising <laughs> and, you know, these protests will manifest itself into something tangible being done now? What am I going to say? Only time would tell or <laughs> use all those analogies and all that kind of <laughs> I'm just being real now. Hopefully, my lifetime, no doubt, my dad said it, and he's still alive, you know, no doubt he's saying it, it will change, it will change. I'm, I'm 48 and I'm saying myself, fingers crossed. I'm saying we're going to move forward and by the time my, my kids got to a good age, the change is being implemented. Only God knows, you know. Only God knows, trust me. Nah, I, 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 I genuinely feel that maybe this may be the kickstart to change and I hope when we look back in six months, we don't regret these comments and say, you know what, it's still the same. Andy, you've, yeah. been, you've been an absolute privilege to have you on the platform. Bro. Yeah, man. Legend. Oh, no problems, guys. Thanks for having me. Living legend. And, you know, yeah, thanks man. for supporting us. And I appreciate, you know, picking up the phone call and having chats. <laughs> and, you know, long may it continue. 100%, man. Andy, you, you spoke about, you know, that... that, that moment when you were standing in a uh, in, in a tunnel with Ronaldo was like you know you, like a uh, someone that you've, you've idolized and look up to and 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 it's, it's the same for us on this platform you know that what you <laughs> so to see you go from our mm. deep dreams to to having a conversation with you is, is surreal man um, yeah, man only thank you for for sharing your time with us um Really appreciate, it. and we know our listeners are gonna are gonna uh, really appreciate it as well. So we're gonna call it a day there. Uh, just a quick reminder to make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Beautiful Game. Um, also follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore tbg and on uh, Instagram at pod underscore tbg. And you can listen to all of our episodes on Spotify, SoundCloud, and on Apple Podcasts as well. And if you're listening in on, on Apple, you leave a five star review. And we're going to catch you on the next episode. Uh, Over and out, man. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 